Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tea to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing, my dear? How are you? I'm a little tired. I was in New York City yesterday giving a clinic to um, a bunch of women from MetLife, and we got home at 1 o'clock in the morning driving. We thought we'd take the shortcut that was through the roads without any lines on them and farm country with really dark roads with animals walking across the roads in the middle of the night. I bet you learned your lesson not to do yeah, I bet you won't do that again. <laughs> no, we won't. Well, we're well, we're glad that you got home safe and sound, and and uh, you can rest up a little bit later this evening. But uh, we got a great show for everybody. We're going to be joined here just momentarily by our latest LPGA Epson Tour player, uh, Gabby Ruffles. She'll be joining us in just a moment. And a little bit later on, you and I, Cindy, are going to be dipping our toes into the no BS zone and talk about strategy tips every golfer should know. We're going to try and help some amateurs uh, listening to the program. Uh, but let me. Uh, introduce Gabby, and then we'll bring her on and, and uh, get down to, to business. Uh, Gabby was born in Australia and is a former member of the USC women's golf team. She was also the 2019 U.S. Women Amateur and the North and South Amateur Champion. Uh, 2020, uh, she was also the U.S. Women's uh, Amateur Runner-Up and was one of the top amateurs in the world. Uh, her work, rookie season as a pro was 2022. Uh, in a nutshell, she played in 20 events and made 18 cuts. Uh, putting her in uh, 15th spot overall, uh, recorded five top 10 finishes, including a season-best third-place result in the Carolina Golf Classic. But now she's a two-time winner this season on the Epson Tour with her first win back in March at the Carlisle Arizona Women's Golf Classic. And then just a couple of weeks ago, she won the Garden City Charity Classic, so a two-time winner uh, this season. And, uh, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, Gabby Ruffles. Good, good morning, dear. Good morning. Thank you guys for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, nice to yeah, be we're here. Yeah, <laughs> we're grateful. Um, Gabby and I were talking just briefly um, how she was going to come on a few times throughout the, the season here uh, after her wins, but her schedule has been so busy, so she's managed to be able to squeeze us in this morning. So we're very, very grateful for that. Um, and congratulations on uh, a couple of wins this season, uh, and we're not quite halfway, right? Yeah, not quite halfway. We still have about 15 events left of the season, but yeah, no, it's been a good start, so thank you. Very good. So congratulations on that. We'll talk a little bit about those. Um, Cindy, if you don't mind, I'm going to go first because there's something I wanted to point out that was I found very interesting. I was looking at some of your stats uh, particularly for the events this year, and I caught a, a trend, if you will, and I want to see, uh, get your thoughts on this, Gabby. So we're going to go back real quick to earlier, the beginning uh, of the season, first uh, tournament was the Florida Natural Charity Classic, where you tied for 30th. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, played a pretty decent uh, game, Not uh, probably not your best, I'm, I'm sure, but uh, the very next week, March 16th, which was my birthday, by the way, um, you came right back with a vengeance and won the Carolina Arizona Women's Golf Classic. Played another couple events, uh, got into one where you tied for six, but uh, missed the cut in one. 
And then you played in April at the Copper Rock Championship where you tied 45th. Again, not one of your best, but then, bam, came right back the very next week and won the Garden City Charity Classic uh, with uh, some great uh, rounds there. And then last week, you played in the Iowa Golf Classic where you tied 48th. So the trend I'm seeing here is every time you have a not-so-great round, you come back and win. So I predi- I'm predicting, <laughs> and I want to get your thoughts. I'm thinking this week you might win. That is uh, that would be you- great. I would, yeah, I mean, I guess there is a trend. I didn't even really realize that, to be honest. But I guess, I don't know, I've just been kind of learning from, from the weeks where I haven't really had it and um, knowing that, you know, uh, I feel like I can do better. So going back and going to practice and, um, going back that next week and obviously figuring something out with those two wins. So um, that'd be nice if that trend continued this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you could do very, very well this season. I mean, nobody wants to have, you know, some uh, less than stellar rounds uh, or certainly events, but uh, you seem to bounce right back with, a, like I said, with a vengeance. So obviously you learn a lot. So, you know, we'll talk about uh, obviously the wins here too, but um, what do you think you learn when you, when you don't play your best? Um, are you somebody that really focuses on your stats and says, okay, here's my stats this week. This is where I'm sort of falling short. And then do you sort of drill down and focus on that when you practice getting ready for the next event? Uh, or are you somebody that just sort of sticks to a, a dedicated game plan for the season and without very, you know, very little alterations to it? No, I'd say I definitely have alterations to it. Um, I feel like I just kind of, see what I needed to work on and improve on in the past week and then really kind of drill down and, and focus on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I guess um, this, with the first event, I thought that I really needed to kind of get better with my putting. I thought I was hitting it really well, but I just wasn't making any putts. So I really, you know, that next week just really, really worked hard on my putting and then, um, you know, putted amazing in um, Phoenix for that, for that first win. I probably had the best putting week um, of my life. And then, you know, same in Utah. I felt like I hit it well as well, but it, the putts just weren't dropping, and I was pretty frustrated, and I wasn't wasn't satisfied. Um, so then I went uh, went to the putting green and spent a lot of hours there. And then um, in Utah, I shot ten under, and then and then eight under. So putting was very very good that week again. Um, but no, I think I just kind of um, assess how I went the last week, and and um, if I'm not satisfied, then I try and work on that specific area well it's great you know obviously at your level it's much easier than say for many amateurs to be able to really isolate the problems most amateurs don't really follow their stats don't really keep their stats so they're kind of all over the board but as a professional Mm. it's important for you to understand the weaker parts of your game at any given time and that doesn't mean that it's not a good part of your game it just means that maybe that Mm -hmm. particular week it's not as solid so you very quickly identified okay my putting, eh, not so good right now. Um, and when you're working on that, you're obviously yielding some great results. So that's fantastic that uh, you're able to isolate that very quickly, and it's worked to your benefit. Um, as I mentioned very quickly, and then, Cindy, I'm going to pass this over to you. Um, you won two, two events. Tell us a little bit about each event. What, what were your thoughts going through it? And, again, you identified, obviously, putting as, as one of the areas that you needed to, to raise and elevate uh, that ability. But overall, how do you feel you're playing this season, and how did it benefit you in those two events? Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like I've been playing solid this season. Um, I feel like my ball striking has really, really come around this season. I feel like I'm hitting a lot of greens, which, which definitely helps out there. Hitting a lot of fairways. Um, definitely feel like I've improved in that aspect. And it's just through experience. I feel like through a lot of experience last year, and maybe not getting the results that. Um, I wanted or that I was satisfied with um, and then just kind of continually working each week to try and improve like I like I said before um, but no definitely feel like I'm I'm playing well and you know there's some weeks where like you said like you just kind of don't have it in certain aspects and to win you kind of need to have it on all fronts so it's just making sure each week with the preparation to try and get every aspect of your game to where you want it to be and um, yeah and then hopefully it just kind of through and pays off each week. So that's kind of what I'm aiming for. Well said. I couldn't agree more. Cindy, go ahead. 
do you have a game plan for a golf course before you tee off? Do I have a game plan for a golf course? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I play. I play a lot of practice rounds. Usually, when I, you know, get to the golf course at the start of the week, I try and play a lot. I, I really like to play the golf course and try and get to know the golf course really well. Um, and I write like certain little things on, you know, in my yardage book, like where to aim or you know what club to hit or how to kind of approach the hole. Um, but I think that it's not. I mean, it's kind of flexible in that way. Like depending on the wind. I mean, the wind can change and the hole can play can play completely different so um i mean i guess i do have like a you know rough kind of game plan but i know that each day conditions can be different and it can change quite a bit yeah yeah what's the best part of your game best part of my game i would say um ball striking um i really like my irons um long irons and probably driver i would say is the best part of my game long irons what irons do you carry um, I carry all the way up until four iron. So I carry pitching wedge until four iron. Do you have any hybrids? I do. I have a 19 degree hybrid, um, and then I go three wood driver. How tall are you? I'm five nine. Whoa. Okay. How far <laughs> <are> you? <laughs> Hello. Um, how far do you carry your four iron? How far do I carry my forearm? So I work in meters coming from Australia. Um, okay. So I might I might have to convert here, but I'd say I carry it like 162 meters, uh, which is maybe 176. Uh, a bit more than that. 165? Yeah, yeah, around that. Yeah, around like one, maybe, yeah, a little under maybe 180. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Hello, world. <laughs> oh my I'm thinking God. if I got, if I got that math right, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's ten percent. Yeah. Yeah, which is difficult when we go play over there. Yeah. But it's worth the trip. It's worth the trip. Yeah, no. No one. Exactly. Yeah. We got to go to Australia and play. It was really cool. My husband played on the PGA Tour. I played on the LPGA Tour. And they had a senior, a legends tour and a senior men's tour event. And we both got to go play. And he hadn't yeah, played in awesome. And the creep finished in the top ten. That's my boy. Oh, wow. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we call him the Rolls Royce. He goes, it doesn't take long for a Rolls Royce to warm up. I'm like, you're a brat. <laughs> anyway. Um what do you love most about playing? About playing? What do I love most about playing? Um, I love the, you know, the competition. I feel like the week in, week out, trying to kind of, like, figure it out. <laughs> um, I feel like each week is a new challenge and trying to figure out the golf course. And uh, like I said before, trying to work on each part of your game so that it gets there. Um, yeah, I guess I would say I like the challenge. Um and I also love, I don't know, just being outside. I feel like I'm so grateful each time I'm on the golf course. Like, it's such a beautiful setting. Golf courses are, you really stop and think about it. Like, golf courses are so beautiful. Like, you get to be outside in some amazing locations, some amazing venues. Um, and, uh, you know, traveling to these great cities and great venues and golf courses is something that I really enjoy as well. And you understand how lucky you are, which is great. Yeah, no, exactly. Super grateful that this is kind of the path that I'm on, and, um, you know, I get to go outside and play golf for a living. Um, You know, a lot of people do that uh, for fun, and I get to do that, you know, every day. So, um, yeah, definitely super grateful. Well, I think the other thing that I don't think – what I – don't hear you say but is true is you don't freak out when you don't play well because you know you have it because when you finish whatever place and you come back and win the next week it's like yeah okay I'll be back because I'm going to figure this out like you're not having a pity party which no I mean I feel like yeah 
I feel like well, that, I'm most impressed on you for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like every golfer in some aspect has a little pity party for themselves. But, yeah, um, I don't want to slap yourself yeah. upside the head, of course, but um, yeah, because I mean, we all yeah. do. Yeah, but, exactly, but I guess, yeah, don't, I don't let it get to me and know that there's, I feel like in golf it's so great because there's always that next week, you know, there's always that next week to try and get a little bit better and try and improve, like try and improve a little bit every day. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it pays off that next week, which I guess, according to your stats, it has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, great job. Absolutely great job. Ted? So, Gabby, let me ask you, um, sort of keeping on the theme of, of playing, you know, you're playing, you know, four-plus hours out on the golf course, obviously probably not at your level because – uh, the tournaments are a little bit quicker than that, but um, what do you do for a distraction? Because obviously you can't play, you know, three and a half, four, four and a half hours straight thinking nothing but every shot, every, you know, blade of grass. You've got to have as you're walking up to your next shot. Um, are you able to do that? Because that's not an easy thing. Some players don't. Some players get so, so much into their head that it, it becomes its own distraction. What do you do as you've hit your shot and now you're ready to walk up to your yeah. next shot? Are you thinking about something other than golf? You know, maybe thinking about uh, a trip that's coming up or some getting together with friends, you know, uh, after a round or whatever. What do you do to keep yourself distracted before you have to sort of zero back in for that next shot? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I've worked actually really hard on that. Because um, I feel like that's so important not to just get bogged down with, um, you know, the the score or, like, you know, what you're doing. Because four or five hours is a long time out there. Um, so, I mean, I have my mom on the bag a lot of the time on the Epson tour. So, I'll just kind of have a conversation, uh, you know, with her about just, you know, life. And it, that's, that's, you know, gets my gets my concentration away from, from the golf. Or I just talk to my playing partners. Um I, you know, I love talking to them just about everything other than golf. Uh, a lot of the girls out here are super nice and just, yeah, it gets my mind away. But, um, yeah, I've definitely had to work uh, super hard on that, and it's super important. Yeah, because I think if you get too much golf in your head, you have to have a little bit of a breather because otherwise it gets overwhelming and it, it, it doesn't obviously ultimately serve you well. So you, you have to be able to sort of breathe, relax, and just think about, you know, mm. enjoy the flowers, enjoy the, you know, the, the beauty of the course, as you mentioned earlier. Um, just something mm-hmm. other than, you know, shot by shot. And then when you get up to the next shot, of course, then you regroup and you get ready to, to execute that shot and then, again, do the same thing. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you're standing in front of a group of young girls, much younger than you, that um, are interested in golf and some may have aspirations of doing what you do. Others may just want to learn to play, what have you. What advice would you give them? Mm, yeah, great question. Um, I would just say, just you know, have fun. I feel like we can get so kind of into it, um, you know, like thinking that it's a job or like a profession, but just have fun and just enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I feel like if you do that, then it will take you – take you a long way and not take take it too seriously, you know, because I feel like that can drive some girls out of the game. And I think it's just having fun, you know, playing with your friends, getting a good group there every afternoon and just being consistent with it. Um, and, and work super hard, you know, work, work extremely hard because that, you know, eventually pays off. And um, I would just say that, you know, I feel like that'll hold you in good stead if you, if you're having fun and working hard with it, I feel like you, uh, you're giving your best at it, and that's all you can ask for, giving your 100% every day. I think that's some great advice. Let me ask you, with reference to playing on tour, um, obviously, as I mentioned, you played on the USC women's golf team, so you have obviously had prior experience to getting out on the Epson and, and LPGA. So what, I guess, what are some of the takeaways um, in the sense that when you first started playing as a professional, what were some of the things that you said to yourself, wow, I didn't know that, or um, 
I wasn't really prepared as much as I thought I was. Because obviously when you're playing on a golf team, you've got other members that are part of the team. Mm-hmm. And you're working as a team. Now you're on your own. So what were some of the, the takeaways when you first sort of stepped out there? And what are some of the most challenges of playing on tour? Besides obviously the golf. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it was a huge adjustment, I feel like, from, from playing at USC and playing amateur golf to – turning pro. So when I graduated from USC, I moved to Orlando, Florida. Um, and it's just, I don't know, immediately I just, it just felt more lonely out there. I mean, you wake up every day and your schedule is what you decide. Um, and all your practice is on your own. And yeah, it's just, it's super different in that sense because in college, everything is kind of set for you. You know, you have workouts with your team and then you have practice with your team from this time to this time and you have a bunch of your friends and your teammates together with you um so then when you turn pro i mean it's you're you're all on your own and everything is up to you so that, that was a big adjustment some girls like the freedom um others like to be kind of i guess controlled in that setting like in a group i don't know i was kind of in the middle but i've learned i've learned to like it and i've learned to adjust to that i guess um Another thing is the responsibility. In college, everything is done for you. Hotels, flights, um, you know, all of that. that. That's done for you. And turning pro, you have to do it all yourself. And trust me, I've made a few mistakes with all that. Um, but it's just learning. And um, I would also say in amateur golf, or in college golf specifically, it's three-round events with no cut and it's largely based on how your team does but in pro golf i mean it's two two days with a cut um and it's all on you so um i guess what i'm trying to say through this all is just the big difference is maybe just how independent and how maybe lonely it can get out there and it's just you know kind of maturing in that sense and and working how working out how to do it best for yourself and just kind of how to do it on your own (laughs) Um, and not have yeah, to, and, you know, team around you. Yeah, I think that uh, that's, I think, spot on because, uh, you know, many of the other players that we've uh, seen and I've talked to on here kind of have this, a similar answer in the sense that that's probably the biggest shock is now they've got to, you know, they're sort of the master of their own domain, um, whereas, you know, in college or what have you, there was somebody there, you know, hammering out the schedule or somebody there to – you know, sort of cheer them on, um, meaning their teammates, but now it's just you and, and obviously, you know, uh, a caddy or what have you, but, um, and obviously whatever team you have circled around, but, uh, but essentially it's just you. And, and yeah, that can be very overwhelming, uh, especially for, for early on, but it sounds like, and, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, from how you're handling this season, um, you seem to be managing yourself very well because you've got two wins already. You still got plenty of events left, so uh, you're well on your way to, uh, I think, a, a very successful season. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Does your mom travel with you or, or live with you in Orlando? So my parents live in Palm Springs. Um, I live by myself currently in Orlando, but she does travel with me a lot to my tournaments. Um, I'd say probably like 90, 95% of the time, um, which I, you know, really enjoy. And I've always had that great support from both of my parents. Um, like if my mom can't go, my dad will sometimes come with me because, you know, as I said, keep saying before, like it does get lonely out there and having that support system is so, so nice. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy when my, when my parents come and travel with me. Why did you move to Orlando? Um, yeah, good question. I get asked this a lot, but no, I had a great, I had a great setup there. So Golf Australia, which is an organization that, you know, helps me a lot. Um, they have a base in Orlando, um, and my trainer is there as well. So I live about like 10, 15 minutes away from that base in Orlando. Um, I have a great golf course. I'm a member at Isleworth in Orlando. Um, I thought that was, you know, one of the best facilities probably, you know, in the country. Um, to be able to practice that and to get that opportunity. So, um, I, you know, I have a great base here. My brother lives here as well. Um, I was actually born in Orlando. Um, so we, oh. I don't know, we have some, I guess, like family family history here as well. Um, but, no, it's worked out well, and I, I love it here. Okay, okay. Um, side note, my daughter lives there, and she's senior oh. production coordinator for Golf Pass. So 
if you need a friend. She's a little older than you, but she's <laughs> fun and nice. So reach out on the side if you want a new friend. <laughs> yeah, so thank she's you. Great. Yeah. Okay. And I come down a lot. Um, yeah, just to have somebody else to hang out with. Yeah, no, and for I sure. Do a lot of awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I get it. It's, that was the thing for me. And we teach a lot of boot camps down there, and I bring kids down, and there was a young girl, uh, Heather Lynn, who's going to be on our show coming Mm -hmm. up. And I had the junior kids. We do the boot camps over at Orange County, and there was a girl practicing chipping. And I said to the kids, I said, I want you to watch this because all the juniors that we teach are like, oh, I want to play on tour. And I said, you don't don't have any idea how hard this is, right? Mm -hmm. And this young girl was practicing by herself and I said I'm going to go up and ask who she is and what she does and she was so oh you know so nice to talk to you because she was so Mm -hmm. lonely and Mm -hmm. she said I just graduated from um, Colorado and and I'm all by myself and you know same thing you're just saying and you're there all by yourself all day long and all you got to do is practice and blah 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 and and so she's going to be on our show but I said to the kids you think this is all fun and games, and it's not because sit there, you know, am I ever going to break through, and how long is this going to take, and it's not all glamour. So yeah. thank you for sharing no. that. Yeah, no, so, 100%. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what do you do for fun? Fun, fun, fun. You got to have some fun. Yeah. What do I do? Um, when I'm home, I'm like, you know what, I, I travel, like, so much um, that when I'm home, it's just nice to just chill out and uh, and relax and really not do much. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I guess some of my hobbies, I try and um, take Spanish classes on the side just to try and, I don't know, uh, learn Spanish. I know a little bit of it, um, but just want to kind of improve on that. I like to, you know, go shopping, um, hang out with friends. Um, I love going to the gym. Um, yeah, but really, when I'm at home, I'm just really not doing that much. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it's my day off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, for sure. Ted? Very good. Well, let me let me stand corrected here. I made a mistake in the opening uh, uh, remarks. Um, for some reason, I don't know why, I thought you were born in Australia, but I see now, no, you're not. You're born in Orlando, uh, but you obviously were part of uh, uh, the Australian sporting uh, world, if you will. So obviously a former tennis player as well, correct? Yeah, I played tennis um, for eight years before I played golf. So, yes, was uh, definitely definitely into it. And both my parents were tennis players, so definitely was in the family as well. Well, very good. Well, you know, I, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is I was thinking to myself, as I mentioned, I put it down that you were born in Australia, and I'm thinking, where is her accent gone? She's got no Australian yeah. accent. Now it makes sense. You were born in the U.S., so, so that makes yeah. sense for that. Um, yeah. So just finally – as you prepare for the rest of the season, um, what's your overall goal this season? Obviously, you've got some wins, and I know you want to get more wins and as many as underlying goal. What, what's your, um, I guess your overall goal is obviously, I'm assuming, to, to get your card uh, to be on the LPJ. but um, is there other goals along the way that you've set for yourself? Yeah, no, for sure. I think we all have kind of the same goal out here, all of us. Um, as the tour players, and that's to get to the next level on the LPGA. Um, and that's that's the goal. That's been the goal since I turned pro. And, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully I can I can do that this season. Um, but we'll see. I guess, you know, that's something out of my control. I'm just going to continually try and, you know, do my best every day. And, and if that's the end result, then, then great. But, um, yeah, for now, that's uh, that's the goal. That sounds like a, a very good goal, and I uh, I think you're going to do well the rest of the season. And just now that I've brought it to your attention, just keep note that every not-so-good round you have, you've got a very strong chance of winning that very next event. So good luck this week in Orlando, 
at your next uh, Epson event. But thank you very much, uh, Gabby, uh, and uh, for being a great spirit and for coming on and joining Cindy and I this morning on the Women of Golf. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. It was fun. Thank you All right. so much. <laughs> Thanks, Gabby. Have a good week. All right, that was Gabby Ruffles uh, on the Epson tour, getting ready to play her next event down in Orlando. All right, we're going to jump in the no BS zone here in just a moment, Cindy, but we're going to get a quick message here first from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. Uh, you're with uh, Cindy Miller and Ted Odorico, and we're here on the Women of Golf Show, and we're going to jump into the no BS zone and talk about really some course management, if you will, areas uh, and strategy tips, if you will, that I think every golfer needs to know. Um, and, you know, certainly, Cindy, we want people to concentrate on some of the basics. That's important. Um, uh, your course management ability and, uh, can significantly impact your game. And these are some things that uh, just sort of jotted down here. And this one here is, might seem at first glance very controversial, uh, but once it's explained a little bit, I think you'll understand. And that is to stop working on your swing. Um, but what I mean by that is I don't mean that permanently. What I mean by that is don't constantly dwell on your swing. There's other parts of your game uh, the mental side of the game, that sort of thing that need to be worked on. And I think some people get caught up, even when they're out on the golf course, they're taking their range uh, practice regime out on the golf course and tinkering and so forth. And that's really what I mean by stop working on your swing. What are your thoughts here, Cindy? Do you see this a lot as well? I think people can tend to think way too much while they're playing. Yeah. Right which yeah, makes and, them also way too slow, which drives everybody crazy. Right. So, yes, I agree. Yeah, and, and, you know, you see this all the time. Um, you know, the one nice thing about pros is, you know, they will go to the range, they'll warm up when they're getting ready to play in a tournament, and, you know, they might have, uh, you know, a certain specific ball flight that they're working on. Um, and, or that they, you know, use most of them. Maybe they have a nice high fade like Nicholas did. Um, and if they get on the golf course and it's not working, they don't start monkeying around, changing their grip or altering. They might make mi minor alterations based on their understanding because they play so much, but they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. And we see this all the time. Somebody hits a couple of bad shots and suddenly they're trying to, you know, modify everything out in the golf course. And number one, as you said, it slows them down. But also, it just adds to the confusion, and it makes what could be a pretty decent round. Maybe it got off to a shaky start, but now all of a sudden, it's really gone off the rails because they're they're trying to work on their swing out in the golf course. That's something you do on the practice tee or during a lesson, but you don't do that on the golf course. So that's what I mean by stop working on your swing. The next one, Cindy, I think this is, um, again, I think a lot of uh, teaching professionals will, will talk uh, about this. And that is working your way back on each hole. So instead of looking at it from the tee's perspective, focus from the green back. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Is this something that you did when you were playing? Um, when you go out and play in a tournament, do you sort of figure things out from the hole back as you get ready to think about where I want to position myself off the tee? You know, I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> Maybe you should. The reason why I say that is the reason why I say that is because and I, and again I don't necessarily mean when you're in the, the heat of the moment, but when you're preparing for your round as you're looking at the holes, if you look from the green back, if you uh, in fact I, I was talking to somebody the other day and this is why I bring this up and they raised a really great point is a lot of times what they will do before an event is they will actually 
get in the cart and they will ride the course backwards so that they can see each hole from what it looks like from the green back. And the reason why they do that, it, believe it or not, it gives you a different perspective of how the hole looks. Because a lot of times when you're standing on the tee, um, you know, you can look at the yardage book and so forth, and you can see certain things, but you don't really appreciate the landing area as much. Now all of a sudden you can see it. You can see, oh, yeah, the fairway's a lot wider here than I thought, and maybe something you don't see off the tee. So sometimes working back can help prepare you from playing from the tees up. Something to think about. Um, and, and a lot of pros do that, believe it or not. There are a lot of pros that do that. They set themselves up and say, okay, where do I want to be for my third shot or my second shot? Where do I want to position myself? Because um, sometimes they might hit a, a great tee shot, but then when they get up there, realize that they're in between their second shots. Maybe they're, instead of a, a good solid eight iron or a good solid wedge, maybe now they're in a half wedge because they've hit it a little farther than expected. So sometimes knowing what the course looks like from both perspectives sometimes might be able to help set you up. So just food for thought. Um, next one is know the course hazards and troubles. So sort of do a little research, do a little homework. Even if you're not playing in an event and you're just playing with your friends, when you get the, the card or talk to maybe one of the pros in the pro shop and just say, you know, what are some areas I need to really look for while I'm out playing on this course, especially if you've never played before. What are your thoughts here? Well, definitely. I mean, you want to know where they are. I, w I wouldn't, if I'm playing in a tournament, I would definitely know where they are. If I'm playing, you know, for fun, only one time, I would look to see where they are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I look you know, that's, where that's they exactly are, sense. But, you know, if I'm playing in a tournament, I'm definitely going to play a practice round. I'm going to have a yardage book. I'm going to mark everything for sure. Yeah. And and even if you play, um, you know, a course regularly, you'd be surprised at how many clubs, and even though they know the bunker's there, they don't really know the carry yardage. They don't really know how far it is to the front of the bunker. Can they carry it? You know, can they play in a different position? So you really have to sort of know the golf course because, you know, again, you see so many people just, you know, getting up there on the tee and they're just whacking away, but they don't really have any strategy to it. They don't have any thoughts. They don't factor in these areas. They say, well, I don't want to go in the bunker. Well, that's, that's fine. Or I don't want to go in this, uh, you know, this water hazard, but they don't know the yardages to it. They don't really have an understanding. And if you're, you know, if you're somebody that plays once in a blue moon, that might be fine. But if you're somebody that plays with some sort of regularity, maybe you're playing a couple rounds a week or, you know, two, three rounds a week, this is information you should know. And you should be able well, to jot it down so that when you, you Sorry, know, go ahead. I would have a I would have a range finder and I would laser it. Well, it's funny that you mention that because that's the next uh, one on the tip is that GPS devices or range finders and so forth. Um, use them whenever and wherever possible, um, and they're fairly affordable now. There's some great ones on the product, uh, sorry, on the uh, on the market uh, that are very very affordable. But yeah, that's a, a you know use them as as whenever possible. Um, so that you have an understanding of the distances when you get up there. Um, and now a lot of even tournament events um, will allow you, certain ones, not all of them, but some of them will actually allow you to use them uh, during the event. So, I mean, that's something, you know, use them wherever and whenever possible because the technology is great now. Uh, you can lock on to, you know, the various hazards and so forth, and that way you have a better understanding, especially if you're not in an event where you've got a caddy. Um, off the tee, you know, this is another one as well, kind of what I talked about earlier, working your way back. You know, off the tee, develop a game plan. Um, Cindy, when you're standing on the tee, what are some of the things that you're thinking about um, and, and sort of analyzing as you get ready to, to step into your routine? Well, you always want to know where you want, <clears throat> want to hit the ball. Do you want to hit driver? Do you want to lay up with a different club? If there's a bunker on the left, and you want to hit the ball to the right, I would set up on the left side of the tee. So I always set up on the tee box. So if the trouble's on the left, I set up on the left side of the tee box, so I'm looking to the right side of the fairway. So I, I set up on the side of the trouble, so I'm facing the open side of the fairway, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if the trouble's on the right side of the fairway, I'm setting on, up on the right side of the tee box, so I'm facing the left side of the fairway. So the fairway looks wide open to me. Yeah. Hopefully that oh, yeah. Sense. Always, 
Yeah, that makes perfect. It's always tee up on the side of the trouble. So that way it opens up, as you said, the other side of the fairway and gives you a much greater chance of success. Um, and I, I think that's some great advice. And you'd be surprised a lot of amateurs don't think about these things. And that's why, you know, I thought this would be a good discussion for this morning. Here's another one, too, is, is to use the greens to your advantage. So when you understand um, the slope of the green, where the pin is cut, that sort of thing, uh, use them to your, your advantage because, uh, again, it, when you understand, that's why I think, as I mentioned earlier about working your way back, is when you understand the contours and how the green is set up for any particular day, uh, and obviously if you're in a tournament, you can you know ascertain some of that during practice rounds, but um, when you're not and you're playing it for the first time, if you understand um, how the greens are, talk to somebody, look at, you know, if you get a yardage book, it will give you a lot of information. Um, but use them to your advantage because, again, it may dictate where you're going to set up, uh, and you know, your shot to your approach. You know, if, if you've got a pin that's cut, um, you know, uh, on the far right, um, you know, you've got all that green on the left of that pin to work with. Um, but there might be a slope. So you've got to figure out where you want to position yourself. And it makes a difference in where you put the ball in the fairway as well. Because, again, how you approach it, maybe you're now suddenly putting yourself in a position where you've got to hit over trouble, uh, what have you. So there's a lot of factors to think in. Um, do you ever focus on that as well uh, when you're playing, whether it's in a tournament or for fun? Do you think about, okay, the contours of the green and how you best want to set yourself up for your next shot? Sure, and and you always, you know, sometimes you want an uphill putt. You want to be coming into the pin from a more wide open looking shot, you know. So I look to see where the pin is. Again, in a tournament, you get pin sheets. So you look to see, well, where's the pin on this? You don't want to have to be hitting over a bunker and be short-sided, which means there's no green to work with. So... Always pay attention. I I think that's the other thing. Most players don't – I don't know that people understand how much thinking goes into playing around a golf. Right. Which is why you can't be thinking about your swing when you're out there. You've got to be thinking (laughs) strategy. Yeah, because that makes it way harder. You've got to be thinking strategy of how to play the golf course and not how to swing right. the club. And right. if you and, and and that's, think strategy of how to play the golf course, funny because we do playing lessons on Fridays, and Alan, he said, I hate playing lessons because they become swing lessons because the reason you do a playing lesson is to teach people how to play a golf course, but if they can't hit the ball where you tell them to hit it, then it becomes a swing lesson. So that's the challenge, you know. It, you want to hit the ball over here. Well, if you can't hit the ball over there, then then right. you got to teach them how to. Swing. So it's a, yeah, and, yeah. It becomes a yeah, challenge, it, and, and that's why in in this particular discussion, the first word is strategy, um, because exactly to your point is when you get on the golf course, you take whatever swing you have that particular day. You don't monkey around. You don't change it. Now, if there's things that need to be adjusted, um, um, minor things, like maybe, you know, you've been working on your grip and suddenly you've defaulted to your old grip and you recognize that, then, you know, you go back to that new grip that you've learned and you've been practicing, hopefully, uh, for the last several weeks before you get out and play. But other than that, you don't want to start making, um, you know, drastic adjustments on the golf course, as you said. It, it's not about learning to swing on the golf course. It's learning to play. And just to very quickly, I want to, because you, you brought up, and this was one of the ones I'm just going to mention real quick, and that was avoid, avoid the short side. And what that basically means, if the, as I mentioned earlier, if the pin is, let's say, cut on the, uh, you know, close to the right side of the green, and maybe you've only got, uh, you know, four feet um, to the edge of the green, well, you don't want to hit your ball uh, certainly at the pin, but you don't want to necessarily, unless you're a really good player, um, because if you miss it right, now you've only got four, maybe five feet um, of green to work with. What doesn't give you a lot, and depending on the lie that you're sitting in, could be very tricky. So you always want to avoid the short side. Always better to play to the fat of the green, which means as close to the middle as possible, because um, that way it gives you some flexibility 
left or right. And usually, even if you're if the pin is cut right and you're aiming at the center and you go a little bit left, you're still going to be on the on the green. So always learn, especially if you're an amateur golfer and you're not really that skilled yet um, in, in positioning yourself, uh, you always want to play to sort of the fat part of the green to give yourself a better chance uh, at, at, at the very worst, hopefully just a two-putt and save your par. Um, I think also another one, Cindy, is to learn to work around the greens. And this really talks about chipping and, and some of your short shots. This is an area that people lose a lot of strokes. Um, I know you teach a lot of this in your – uh, boot camps and, and obviously your regular lessons and things like that. But this is an area, right, Cindy, that a lot of people, they have no strategy. They have no understanding of really what to do when they get in uh, maybe just a little off the green or what have you. Uh, give us your thoughts here. You'd like to miss your shots where it's easiest to get it up and down. Therefore, you can save par. And, and again, when people come in for a lesson, you know, if I, if I did a survey – 99% of people said, I need to hit my driver farther. Well, and then I, the next question, I said, well, what do you shoot? Well, I don't keep score, or I shoot 100, or I shoot between 90 and 100. And, well, what do you want to shoot? Well, I want to break 90, or I want to break 100. Well, hitting your driver farther is not going to help you break 100. So right. if you learn to hit the ball up and down, or you hit your driver straighter, or you didn't even use your driver, you know, so again, it's strategy. If I can help you break a hundred, and you could probably tee off with a five iron. So again, it's thinking smarter, being wiser, and missing the green in a smarter place, and having strategy. Didn't you use that word a minute ago? Um, yes, I the did. Strategy <laughs> will help you score better. If you want to be a long drive guy or girl. You know, that's a different story, but strategy will help you score better. So. And even, believe it or not, even in that, even in long drive, there's strategy. You've got to keep it in the grid. So you have to even have strategy for that uh, on some level. This next one here is an interesting one. Uh, and, again, some people, it really applies to everybody, but particularly to maybe some better players, and that is to think two shots ahead. So I'm going to very quickly explain this, and then I'm let you inject your thoughts on this. So let's say you're coming up to a par four and um, you want to think strategy. So you want to think two shots ahead. Where do I want the, be, the ball to be two shots from now? Do I want to be on the green, you know, depending on the length, you know, and my abilities, two shots from now, do I want the ball to be? Is it maybe to be in a good position to approach the green, whatever the case may be? The reason why I say that is then you work your way back. Okay, so if I get the ball two shots ahead, here's where it's going to be, what's my yardage essentially from there back? So if it's a 400-yard, let's say, keep it simple numbers, and I want to be within 100 yards uh, for that third shot to approach the green, if I'm not a really good player, better player might go for it too. But I want to get myself and think about that third shot essentially is what I'm trying to do here and work my way back. Sort of goes to what I talked about earlier. So, again, it becomes strategy, positioning yourself in such a way to be able, in other words, map out the shots that you want to hit. But you need to understand, where do I want to have, be two shots from now? Your thoughts? Totally agree. <clears throat> How can I best perform within my skill level? <clears throat> Again, this clinic I did yesterday, they had to self, um, they had to say what their skill level was. And they all said they were advanced. And then at in the morning, one of the people running the clinic said, I had to add two total beginners to your group because they were customers of one of the women. And they're total beginners, so you're going to have a really difficult day because you've got intermediate to advanced people. And we had to start on the golf course. And there were two people that could hit the ball further than 150 yards. And there were... Um, four people that could hit it, right? And then there were two people that couldn't hit it at all. And mm -hmm. so the four people that couldn't hit it said they were advanced. And I'm like, um, no, not really. And so, again, they, one of them said, well, I want to hit it further than 150 yards. And I, and I thought I wanted to say, well, I'd like to see you hit it 100 yards. So people don't understand 
what they don't know. And it, by the end of the day, she was pounding it. She goes, well, I can do this. And I'm like, well, I didn't see you do it all day. And we played nine holes, right? So <laughs> they don't understand what they're doing. And everyone tries to hit the ball. So they have to stop trying to hit the ball and be aware that they need to learn to swing the tool that's going to hit the ball. So they're all trying to do outcome, right? So Mm -hmm. they're they're all, you know, I want to win the tournament. I want to hit it 150 yards. Okay. Well, what are you doing with the tool to be able to hit it at all? So I think that they, people need to know what they're doing with the club. And then they can learn to hit the ball, and then they can learn, well, if I only hit it 120 yards, then, oh, two shots ahead, how long is this hole? How many shots will it take me to get there? So some people, if you can be on the green and par, and you can two-putt, you can shoot 108. Well, 108 is not that bad. So no. try to be on the green par, you know, or try to be mm-hmm. on the green and one over regulation. And, you know, you can shoot 90, which is great. So, again, I think you need to know what your skill level is and play to that skill level and then work on your game to get better. That's all. No, I, know I think I'm, that's a great. No, 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 that's a great, great point. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you went there. Um, also, next, uh, factor in course conditions. You know, what's what's the conditions of the day? You know, maybe it's, it has rained or it's uh, light rain and it's wet. Um, you know, you want to think about that. Maybe there's a little bit of wind coming up, you know, um, more than just a couple of miles an hour. Maybe it's 10 or 15 miles an hour. So you have to factor these in. You know, a lot of people get out there and say, well, you know, I hit my driver 250 pretty solid all the time. Uh, and usually get an extra, you know, 10 yards of roll. So I'm, you know, I, I can expect to hit at 260. But you get out there on a wet day. First of all, the ball doesn't travel as far uh, on on a really wet day because of the uh, the um, uh, air pressure factors and things like that. But also when the ball hits the ground, if it's uh, reasonably wet, uh, sometimes it might plug or it might just check up real quick because it's not hard enough to get any additional roll. So now that 260 has now whittled back to maybe 240 or 245. So you have to factor these in. You have to understand the course conditions. Um, wouldn't you agree, Cindy? I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's not just, you know, you can go out there and hit a 1,000 golf balls and know all of the yardages, and just a slight change in the weather conditions uh, or course conditions can affect all of those numbers in some respect. doesn't mean you're not hitting it as solid or you're not hitting those clubs as well, but the, di- the distances can change or elevation can change. You're playing one time in Florida, the next time you're playing out in Arizona. Um, you know, there's elevation changes, so that can affect ball flight. Um, correct. 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 And, and um, temperature can, can, you know, temperature affects yep. those situations as well. And are you swinging <clears throat> the same? Are you catching the ball as solid? You know, it's exactly. Just, you have to be. And, and again, the more you play and practice, the more experience you have, the more you learn all those things. Um, you know, our our dear friend Natalie, when she went to play at Destin in February at the uh, Under Armour Junior Championship, the temperature was 30 degrees. Right. You know, it was really windy. And her, and her dad texted me, she's not hitting it anywhere. I'm like, well, guess what? The ball's not going to go anywhere. It's 30 degrees. And they didn't know yeah. how to factor all that in to figure out how far the ball was going to go. But, again, that's no. experience. Her dad doesn't really play. You know, she's only 11. Again, mm-hmm. how do you figure that out with playing in a tournament? It all becomes, yep. you know, oh, new experience. we got to figure this out. And yeah, and that happens a lot in the pro-ams. You know, the, the, the amateurs come out there and they're lined up with the pro and, you know, they're thinking, well, I'm going to pull my five iron out here because that's what I, you know, normally hit X, Y, and Z. Um, and they don't factor in conditions and they don't factor in the fact that they're not hitting it consistently that distance. So, you know, again, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And this goes to the next one real quick, and that is to have a yardage you can hit confidently. 
I would rather somebody take out their seven iron, let's say that maybe they hit it consistently 150 yards, that they know that they can put it in that position every single time or certainly a, a high percentage of times. I would rather them play with that, work on the other stuff at an, an appropriate time. But if they're out there playing, take out your seven iron, hit it off the tee if you have to, just to get experience playing. Um, but you need to have a yardage you can hit confidently and know that. Not not talking about with your driver, um, but maybe with a different club. Um, so that, uh, you know, when you get in a situation where you're a little bit stressed or overwhelmed and you're not maybe a very accomplished player quite yet, that's a good fallback or default to go to uh, is to, to have a club that you know you can consistently hit a certain distance. And obviously you want a fair distance, but um, especially for beginners, gives them helps build confidence. What, what do you think? Absolutely, just so you feel better about it. Right. I mean, you know, there's no point in bringing out the driver if you're spraying it all over the place. You know, you want to get out there and you want to play and, and build some confidence. And and then you work on the other things as you go along, not when you're on the golf course, um, but, you know, when you get back in your next lesson uh, or, or what have you with, with your pro, then you can work on some of the areas to improve the other parts of your game. But you want to have something that gives you some confidence when you're out there, um, and that, again, falls under strategy. And the last one, of course, we've kind of touched on already all the way through, and that is to play to your strengths, to know where and what your strengths are and when to apply them. Um, your final thoughts? Absolutely. Again, you don't have to tee off with a driver. If driver is your scary club and you don't hit it well, don't use it. You know, no one said you have to use a driver. It, if you hit it. You know, a five iron good or a seven iron good, use your seven iron all the way around the golf course. Play to your strength. Yeah, so. exactly. And, and and I always believe the best way to improve at golf is to first build your confidence. And, that, and we talked about some things here that you can do. Uh, obviously, develop a good, solid mental game. And But remember, golf is all about consistency and minimizing as many variables as possible. So having a solid and repeatable plan for how to tackle the course is how you will get better. Um, strategy is key. You'll also enjoy the game a lot more um, when you're, you know, when you're not, uh, you know, sinking uh, every every shot, um, you know, in, in a putt or what have you. So strategy is really the key here. Is to the different things that we talked about here. If you focus on those um, and really think about those next time you're preparing for a round. But when you get out there, you take with what you've got. And if you have to. Dial it back instead of pulling out your driver. If you're not hitting it very well, then pull out a club that you know you're going to be confident with off the tee, uh, and that might even be dropping down to a hybrid. It might be dropping down to you know a seven iron, what have you. Whatever that that confident yardage that that you have, that's what you want to go out and play with. Because I'll tell you, I, I don't know if you ever remember this, Cindy, or not, but years ago on the Golf Channel, uh, and I think you know who I'm talking about, but Wally Armstrong did a uh, a clinic. And he talked about um, playing with three clubs. And he played three holes, a four, five, and a par three, with a seven iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter, and ended up through the three holes shooting one under. So he wow. didn't have to bomb it up. Yeah. And it was really, really good. I, I'm going to dig it up. I'm going to go online. And I actually had him on um, years ago on Golf Talk Live, and, and I refreshed his memory. And he said, you know what, I remember that now. And um, it was a long, I mean, this is early days of the Golf Channel. And he went around with those three clubs, and he just approved. Now, now I know some of the holes are a little bit longer in today's game, but the point he was making is you don't have to be a long hitter to score well. It's all about strategy. And I think if you focus on that, and that's something that you need to um, you know, talk to your pro about. I mean, it's great that they're helping you build a solid swing, but you also want to talk to them and say, hey, help me with strategy. Help me to develop a good playing strategy when we're out in the golf course and most of them will do that but you have to this goes to you know Cindy, what we've talked about before is you want to make sure that whoever you're working with that you're on the same page that they're not teaching you to their agenda they're working to your agenda what you want to do how you want to play what level you want to play and why you're playing and if they're not then you need to find somebody else but those are my final thoughts all right anything else Cindy, that you want to add real quick no no I think we covered it. All right, a special thanks again to Gabby Ruffles. Uh, again, congratulations on the wins this season, and good luck as you move and power through the rest of uh, the Epson Tour season. 
And uh, we want to thank you for, for joining us this week as well on the Women of Golf. And we will see you next week right back here. So have a great weekend, everybody, and a great rest of your week. Thanks, Cindy, and happy Memorial Weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.